Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley M. Lyle. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast or live video, if you're viewing this, where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racism with discuss topics of racism within the Michigan performing venues. Again, my name is Ashley M. Lyle, and I am back with another conference episode. And this time, we are concentrating on the Black on the burlesque community. So. In the last conference, I had the honor to sit down with several fellow actor colleagues to discuss racism within Michigan theater in, in the Michigan theater community. Much like the Michigan theater, Michigan burlesque is suffering from institutionalized and systemic racism and the marginalization of black burlesque performers of all identities. I hope that this that from this, this conference will inspire you and encourage you to, uh, to create anti-racist policies, including equity, diversity, and inclusion in all burlesque venues and shows. Now, today, let me introduce to you our panel. So you have your neighborhood hashtag unfriendly black hottie bringing their Southern Californian Afro-Latinx attitude to the Midwest, caffeine love. <laughs> And you have, we have our Michigan melanin morsel, Dottie Monroe. <laughs> we have Virginia's infamous twerking teacher, Lottie Ellington. <laughs> the vanilla vamp with the cocoa complexion, Eartha Kitten. And the, and the bi-gender badass that is a force to be reckoned with, the Royal Highness Queen Fearless Amaretto. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you today? You guys can unmute yourselves. Hi. Hello. Hi. hi, hi. <laughs> hey, hey. Hello. All right, so let's get started on this. So this conference is designed to be a safe space for Black burlesque performers to share their experiences without the consequence of being blackballed or harassed by their white counterparts or producers. We will not mention names, venues, productions, or the like, but we hope that those viewing this will listen, empathize, change, and adapt. I did all of that without sharing my PowerPoint presentation. I am not a professional. Come on, PowerPoint, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all professional. I'm all professional. This, is, this stuff. is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes. And this is all of our panelists' EMT information. Please, by all means, please, please, if you're feeling, you know, generous, please donate money to these professionals. Uh, professional performers because they have they are giving their all they are telling their stories and these stories are sensitive to them and they are valid so we need to show our support by supporting them financially <laughs> give me your money not <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's if, still Black History Month. <laughs> exactly. It is still Black it History is. Month. 
Um, also, their EMT information will be in the description box below underneath this video on out on this Facebook Live. So please, by all means, you know, throw up them dollars. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. So yes, I covered this. This is beautiful. Thank y'all. Yeah. I worked really hard on designer. it. Graphic designer. I can tell. Are you a graphic designer? Uh, a web designer. Oh. I'm a web designer. <laughs> okay. So I want to definitely take this time to uh, to speak in memoriam of Lottie Graves Claiborne. She passed away just last year on February 29th, 2020. So I definitely wanted to make sure to recognize her because she is a Detroit legend and she needs to be given her flowers, you know. Um, so let's get into the first topic. Formal dance training biases, cultural appropriation, and double standards. You just delved right into that, didn't you? Yeah, sure did. We're going head, head first, <laughs> head first. So <laughs> in the world of burlesque, music is key to a performance. A performer can either dance to a rehearsed number or improv it. They can pick a classical piece or a current song. Some performers pick songs that celebrate their particular culture. However, there are constant double standards and excuses given to white performers when they pick songs that have nothing to do with their cult with the culture they're born into and or when a BIPOC performer is overlooked on their tremendous talent for a white performer with underwhelming talent because it is believed that white a white performer is more marketable. Now, this is my question for all of you. Who amongst you is formally trained? Is anybody a formally trained dancer? Yes. No. Yes. I mean, I took, class, I took classes when I was younger, but. That still counts. Like the ancestors all... trained me. There you, you know? go. There you go. There you go. Well, and I think that's also something to delve into for sure, because even when we think of, when we take in the considerations of formally trained dancers. So for example, it's like I was, formally and professionally trained in belly dancing. I've also been trained and have taken workshops for various social partner dances, such as swing and salsa, um, and then classes for various like hip hop dances. But even when we consider the phrasing of like formally trained dancer, we often have it alluded to contemporary ballet, um, all of these quote unquote elegant and classic styles that somehow, well, not somehow, we know why, but it is association, it is associated with prestige, it's associated with elegance, it's associated with um, having that sort of sense of like classical glamorous, et cetera. And a lot of other um, dance styles aren't necessarily considered as um, exceptional. They're not, it's, they're not as hard. They're not as regard, they're not regarded as something that is to aspire to. I agree. And can we also talk about the financial aspect of being formally trained? Because I don't got formally trained money. That part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I would love to be a ballet dancer, but you know reasons. And 
But you know what, that's, that is false. And something I want to say really quick is I was raised by white people. So I'm learning every single day about microaggressions and things that like, I just, I wasn't explained to as a young person because I was raised by white people, love my parents, but it's just the way that it is. So I'm learning these things and I have to catch myself saying things like, oh, okay, I can't be a ballet dancer. Well, why not? Why not? There's plus size ballet dancers and they look damn good doing it. Am I allowed mm -hmm. to say damn? Are we live on the air right now? Girl, you can cuss. <laughs> you can cuss. <laughs> That's totally fine. That's totally fine. We grown ass people. <laughs> Period. <laughs> like I said, this is going to be on my podcast. No, no swear words would be edited. Period. Okay. You can't cool. handle it too bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about racism. There's mm. gonna be some language thrown up mm. in the air. Yeah. So. Mm. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, you know, me not. I've never. Um, I guess, like I said, I I took uh, some dance classes when I was younger, maybe like uh, elementary school type time, and it was like I took jazz and things like that, but it, it was like you know, as far as getting into the performance world um, with like the minimal training that I have and or like the natural talent that I had because I was always a dancer, you know, just as a lot of black people are. But, um, you know, I was always a dancer just, you know, at parties and things like that. So when I got into the performance scene, even before burlesque, because I was, you know, into like exotic dance and things like that before then, you know, it was, I feel like I was always looked at as just like another black dancer like it it, it you know um I feel like I'm probably jumping the gun here but I I just remember like times of me like um trying to dance at certain clubs or bars and things and it was always oh that's a little hood for this bar or that's a little Mm, well we're all full and I'm just like but y'all got new people every week what do you mean you full you know it, it was always it's something until I, I I looking back I had to pick up on it I was like okay so what you're really trying to say is I'm too black mm -hmm. gotcha mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and it's 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 a shame mm -hmm. it really is so explain a moment guys where even though with the formal training or whatever type of dance training that you have had or just your own natural talent when you've been overlooked for a booking because for for a white performer who did or didn't have training or the talent to do so well <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i I, I don't say I have formal dance training, um, but I've been in performing arts for 15 years and I know how to move my body for me. Um, that being said, I there was one particular uh, show that basically was like, well, you're gonna need to send us video. And I was like, okay, that isn't abnormal. But at the time I was like, I don't have the money to rent out a studio space, film this video for a show that I may or may not get into. Time passes and another show comes up with the same group of people. And 
I see that someone is having their burlesque debut on this stage. But for me, even though it was said, hey, if you have a concept of an act you'd like to do, we'd love to have you. Um, I still had to send in video to make sure that it would fit with the show, but somebody else was able to have their burlesque debut. And some of these acts that I've seen in the show are very much not put together except for the night before or maybe a week before. Um, but me who, you know, was working, was working a lot and just was trying to be involved. The send in your video and we'll think about it really was like, okay. And then the burlesque debut was like, oh, okay, got it. So that's my little story. Thank you, Eartha. Anybody else? So then let me ask this okay. next question. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Kathleen, go ahead. Oh, uh, um. I would say there's a number of stories I could touch on this, but <laughs> we only got so much time. Right. Um, I will say that there has been a number, and this has happened more than once, where I've been a where I've applied out of town specifically because I'm wanting to branch out of Michigan. Um, but what I've noticed most often is that I will apply for, you know, an out of town show that wasn't necessarily like a festival or anything that was like super big. It was just you know a show that I was trying to get out for. Um, and I remember feeling so disheartened because I sent in what I consider one of my best acts or like, you know, one of the best videos that I have that uses that utilizes all, all the things that I know, all the things that I um, put together when it comes to like actually dancing in a number. And then I would get rejected. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, like rejection happens to everyone. And there wouldn't really be a whole lot of feedback for it. There wouldn't be a whole lot of like any, just like a you know, blanket all response. And it's just like, well, this isn't like what we're looking for at this time. And then like tuning into the show or seeing the performers who were um, chosen. And it's just like, y'all be white as fuck. <laughs> and then like actually watching the show and just kind of being like, so you're, you're going to sit here and tell me that this act that I submitted wasn't good enough, but like similar to what Arthur was saying, it's like, and I'm not gonna sit here and say that we shouldn't be allowing these opportunities for a new, because it's hard to break in if you don't have an in, right? We have to create those spaces for newer performers to you know, get their bearings, to get their feet settled from under them, all that good stuff. And also, if the, so it's this same video I submitted to several burlesque festivals and it's what got me in. <laughs> And so it's that question of like, well, was I actually not what you were looking for? Because obviously these really prestigious events, these really like, you know, and these were festivals where there were hundreds upon hundreds of applicants and I managed to get into that, but I couldn't come to your small town like burlesque show <laughs> because it wasn't good enough or wasn't. And it's like, and I'm not going to say it wasn't because it wasn't good enough or they didn't have the space. It's just like, I get no feedback from this. And like, you, we can't help but question like, is it? because I want talented or is it because I didn't put in this effort or what? Because mm -hmm. obviously someone appreciates what I do and I put a lot of work into what I do and I make sure things are polished and we're constantly, especially also being a drag performer, it's like thinking about all the ways that we put together our acts um, and the fact that like in order to be considered at the same levels, like you there is kind of this stigma, not stigma, but I guess this assumption is like, as a black performer, you have to be able to dance. 
versus other folks don't necessarily have to, you know, you have to have it all. You got to be polished. You got to be able to have rhythm. You got to be able to like have like these fantastic shiny costumes and be able to dance because that's just what's expected of you. You got to be twice as good to be half as accepted. So. Very that. I've definitely experienced like moments of that definitely, you know, because I'm not gonna, you know, kind of touching on what a couple of different people are saying. Like I, you know, starting out in burlesque, like I have only been doing burlesque maybe since 2018. So going on three years now. And it was like, you know, I starting out, I didn't have the money to get like rhinestoned outfits and this and that, you know, I worked with what I had and just altered this or that. And, you know, um, I'll often see other performers, you know, um, in shows that had the money for extravagant outfits and props and things like that. But, you know, no see, no shade, but they weren't as talented. And I'll be like, you know, why am I getting overlooked? Like, you don't get me wrong, you know, they everybody's like, oh, well, burlesque is supposed to be, you know, real put together and very, you know, uh, all of that. And I'm like, okay, but my performance is amazing. Like, you've seen me perform. It's like, it, and I get looked over for people with, you know, a flashy costume. And I'm like, but who's going to bring you people? Like, it, it's like that whole thing. It's like, it's, is it, are you just looking for a look? Or are you looking for talent? You know, and it's like that that whole disconnect and, and it happens so often. So let me let me go on to another question. Um, let me go back actually to the other question. The other question that was part of that slide was explain a moment when you experienced or seen, I should say, where you've seen a white performer appropriating a culture in their performance. <laughs> Caffeine, do you remember that one time that a certain somebody had that class on how to twerk to Beyonce or some business? Mm. And it was all, and I'm not gonna mention no names because we're professional and I do, a, I like the performer, but like mm -hmm. you have no business teaching people with your pasty about how to twerk. You have no business. I think the worst part is that there have been especially especially previous to COVID obviously but the number of times I've seen white women teach a twerking class bad. especially in areas that are predominantly black communities it's bad it's all over you know it's all over but I've seen it in Detroit I've seen it in Chicago saw it in my hometown LA like I'm over here just like mm, mm. but y'all don't, don't want to hire us but Lottie had her hand raised I'm very sorry <laughs> bad teacher uh, that was just it, it that touched my soul because i've been in this for going on this will be year 10 now so um yeah i know all of this so so very well it's a it's a story told in tale as old as time um definitely fearless the idea of performers of color having to come full fully packaged and ready like we aren't allowed to grow. We aren't allowed to become in this. We have to come already done. 
We have to have our press kit. We have to have our costumes. We have to have our music. We have to have everything already done, our email address, everything. We already have to have a following. And then even with that, when we bring that out, <clears throat> then it's like, okay, well, I guess so, or I guess you'll fit. I guess we can have you in there. And oftentimes it's just the, the local aesthetic is what they're looking for. So whatever is locally what they, they like is what they're looking for. So if you don't fit the local aesthetic, then you don't get booked as much. They'll book you every once in a while to kind of fill out the roster. They'll book you to feel like they aren't. So that they can say, no, we have people of color in our show. But very often, again, they'll have a redhead, a blonde, two brunettes, and then one person of color and say, look, our show is diverse. That's diversity though, Lottie. But that's diversity. It's diverse. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can't have two people of color because that's too many. That's too many. We just need the one. No, that's, that's too many like Negroes. One of each. Too many Negroes. Mm -mm. Yeah, too many. Just, yeah. We're not the Dodgers here. We're not trying to integrate. We're just trying to one. Mm -hmm. or just one i remember there was a venue i've been trying to perform at sorry. For, 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 i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i just remember there's a there's a ven there was a venue that i've been trying to uh perform at for a long time actually before burlesque back when i was just go-go dancing and things like that like um and i had been begging practically to get on this show um not even not even a paid position that's the crazy part like before I really got into my own worth but it was like a you know a tip situation and I'm just like you know I've been watching this show for a long time I know you know most of the faces and that they're not very talented you know not trying to be funny but they're not and I was like okay well I want to audition because I know I can make it on this stage and it would be amazing and I've been all in their inbox, I showed up with costume, with music, and it's always, oh, well, we're a little too full today, or, you know, we have too many people on, on cast today. But then you go out and watch the show, and there's three new dancers, and they're all skinny white boys. And I'm just like, really? Oh, okay. So now I know how this is going. It's like, you know, um, and I guess now I'm at the point where I, I kind of altogether stop trying to, you know, make myself fit into this, this little spot to begin with. But, you know, it was just, you know, for someone trying to get their, you know, start, you know, you would think that, you know, these, these um, cornerstone uh bars and institutions and in, in different places you think they would want you know these young people these 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 performers that have that drive to want to do this and that are actually you know putting in work you you would think that they would want you guys you know they will want us to you know come out because at the end of the day we bring in y'all you know more customers and you know that's the and i, I don't i never understood it like why, you know, why should the, my complexion, you know, have anything to do with how, what I bring to the safe, 
what I bring to the stage, you know? And it's just frustrating. It really is. So let me ask you this, guys. And please forgive me for saying, guys, I, I'm using it universally. You know, it just, it rolls off the tongue. Um, so how should producers approach the situation when a white performer is culturally appropriating a performance? And how should producers approach, approach a situation when BIPOC performers, particularly in today's case, Black performers, are being overlooked because it's marketability versus talent? Advocate for us. Yeah, it's a it's just like solving racism. It's not a people of color. It's not our problem. We didn't create it. If we could solve it, we would have solved this a long time ago. So white producers have to solve the problem. White producers have to say, have to know what the you know what 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 is this act, and is it, and have to be aware enough to say, okay, this act is a little cringy or a little appropriative. Can you fix this? Can you adjust this? Not just say, oh my God, that's so cute. And you were twerking and then you made your butt clap at the end. That was so original because no, especially if again, and it's been proven, it's literally been proven that when you have a white act and a black, a black performer and a white performer have done the exact same act, they submitted it to the same festival, the white performers, the same act, same music, everything. The white performers were accepted, the black performers weren't. So it's been proven that, that it's a that it's clearly a an aesthetic thing. Hashtag it's whiteness, but it's you know it meets the aesthetic. Um, and so that's that's just what happens. Um, so again, as as white producers, you have to one check your you know check your stuff, see where it's coming from. The other thing is that you have to, as a white producer, cultivate and be conscious of the show that you are making and the show that you're creating. Because in your mind, oh my God, I love this particular aesthetic or this fandom and I want people to come because it's cool without recognizing that that fandom or that aesthetic is not conducive the, the fan base for that particular aesthetic is not conducive to bring in people of color. So maybe you need to change what you're doing. You may love this particular fandom and grew up on it and it was the greatest thing in the world, except when you bring the fandom that follows that into places and then you try to bring people of color into that place, now you have a clash. And now you're wondering why people of color won't apply to your shows. And then you get feedback and flack for having an all white show when it wasn't a place that was going to be comfortable for a person of color anyway. I think too, branching off of that is the fact that there is this assumption that, well, if I do this and I'm not gonna get my, I'm not gonna get people and I'm not gonna get this or it's gonna be bad for business. And the reality is it's like, whatever you make, the people will come. <laughs> You know, and so I think where a lot of white producers fall short, and I've seen it very specifically. So when I was still living in Bloomington, Indiana, there is a gay bar down there named called the Back Door. And, you know, they have burlesque, they have drag, they have everything. And in addition to that, they have very thorough policies that are proactively addressing the fact that they're in the middle of Indiana. Let's be real. 
it's Indiana. <laughs> and so they have policies in place, for example, where, you know, white performers cannot use songs that speak specifically to experiences of people of color. You know, so if a white drag king wants to do Childish Gambino, it ain't allowed, you know? And it's like doing things like that to put things in place. They can't sing, they can't sing, this is America, this is America. I mean, <laughs> some other white folks be trying it at Pride a couple of years ago, but we ain't gonna talk about that today. Mm. I wanted to talk about it a little bit, but we're not gonna talk about it today. We, we, we ain't gonna talk about all that today. All I'm saying is it's gonna look real funny when you got a white person being like, singing along to black man better get your money. I'm like, this don't make sense. This and don't we make tried sense. to call them out on it too. I'm you were being like, racist. Even if you want to take the racism out of it, like semantically, this shit don't make sense. <laughs> this don't add up. <laughs> but it's things like that where, and like the producers down there are so phenomenally proactive about addressing things like that. Or if in even go so far as to when they're having competitions or when they're having shows, they will go through and look at your act and say when they can catch it. And you know, they're not perfect but they will try their best to kind of go through and say like, mm, maybe you shouldn't be doing this as a white performer. I remember at one point there was a white drag performer and it got, it slipped through the cracks. The act slipped through the cracks. It was during a drag competition. And she was a white performer who did an act and use the, um, it was all horror, um, like horror cosplay and horror legends and whatnot. And she did an act to La, like she used La Llorona, which is a Mexican like horror slash folk tale um you know that's something that's really like and it hit my soul and I'm over here just kind of like uh this is awkward <laughs> and then in the competition it got addressed and they brought it up it's like you know you as a white performer don't have cultural connections to this act this is something you need to reconsider etc cetera, etc cetera. and then even in that moment the person who was supposed to be checking her act stood up and she straight up apologized and she's like you know I completely missed it this went off my radar and that is my mistake and in the future now this is what I need to do and I think that's, at least for me, is like, that is the most important part. It's like, we're all gonna make mistakes, especially as we're all like learning and growing, et cetera. And like, to me, my biggest thing is just like, okay, like it is going to be inevitable that white people are gonna fuck up. How you address it and what you do moving forward speaks more to me. If you wanna take those baby steps, that is so much better than doubling down and being like, nah, I'm not like, you know, whatever. And then like ghosting me and trying to gaslight me and tell me that this ain't real, you know? So like putting those things in place, especially as white producers to see how are we gonna address it before it even happens? And then if it does happen, what are we gonna do about it? And making sure those things are being, if not written down, just established. Like having to think about these things and creating strategies and procedures for what you're gonna do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's move on to the next topic, which is the failure of code of conduct and improper treatment of Black performers. So there are multiple situations that can occur during a burlesque show that can create a hazardous environment for Black performers. Situations such as alienation and racism complicitness by white cast members, microaggression, verbal and physical, uh, physical code switching, coded language, not respecting pronouns and other identities, and tokenism. 
So I would like for you guys, for you all, to explain an experience you may have had involving one or more of these situations or a situation that may not be listed um, and how you handled it or was not able to handle it. I actually want to speak on this one. Um, Please. So my very, my very, very, very first, uh, I guess, burlesque performance. It was like my first, uh, I guess, big event. It actually ended up, I ended up getting the event because the show got called out for being an all white show. Like there was like a whole thing all over social media and, um, you know, I get a message uh, saying, oh yeah, you know, we, someone sent me your info and we'd love to have you in this show. But then I, I go back and, and look, it's like, okay, well, where is this coming from? Da, 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 da. And I find like this whole big post, I think it was on Facebook or something that was talking about all the, you know, things that happened. Apparently the show has been booked for like months and months and months. And they had an all white cast and someone called about on it and they were like, oh, well, um, I think someone in the comments was like, well, yeah, there's a, here's a bunch of other, you know, Black and PLC performers that you could have called on, you know, because like their whole thing was, well, no Black people um, apply. And I'm like, okay, that's BS. Don't even, don't even give me that. <laughs> like, you know, um, I will say, um, you know, I will say when I got to the actual event, I was treated very well and whatnot. And I was appreciative of that. But it was just the whole fact of, I got this gig because I was black. Like that was the, that was the whole thing. <laughs> like, they've never seen me before. And I was just, it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not even gonna hold you up. And I was just distraught, you know, um, and I've been in a couple other shows like that, that I know that I was only booked because I was Black or uh, even, I mean, not worse, but also not good because someone liked the way that I looked. And it was just like, how about for my talent? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out here to, to perform. Like this is a performance area. Like we're not here to hook up. This isn't a, a dating thing. This isn't, you know, I come here to, perform you know and it's it's often it often ends up boiling down to um meeting a quota and that I don't like like you know well we need one black person or we like I don't I I, I hate that more than not like I, I'd rather you not not book me to be honest don't don't put me on the show if I'm if I'm the token like I'm not I'm not for that you know put me on a show because you see my talent and I, you, you believe in my talent, you believe in my performance, you know, but that's just my piece. Go ahead, Daddy. I'm trying to be better at raising my hands, learning. Um, I would agree. <laughs> uh, it is literally the worst feeling because you don't know, like, am I being booked because I'm talented and they like what I do and they admire my art or is it because they needed to have a number? And it's especially disheartening 
when you see the exact same people all of the time. And I love working with the people I work with. Like, I love y'all so much. I really do. But don't you wonder if there's like other people of color out there that could be getting booked? Are we the only ones? Because it seems like I see y'all a lot. Like, no offense, but it seems like I see y'all a lot. <laughs> and I want my bookings. Don't get me wrong. Like, keep giving me my bookings. You know what I'm saying? I love to perform. But like, we need to be reaching out to other people too. And if by some magical reason, there are no other POC performers, why aren't we giving them the option or the space to be a performer, well, if that me, makes sense? Let me ask you kind of like a layered question on that. Do you think that it, it is up to you guys, you as the Black performers to find that talent for these venues and, and productions? I think that it's always up to any kind of perf any um, performer to to just like teachers do because I'm a teacher too to cultivate the next generation of performers. But I'm not going out and finding you a bunch of black performers. Like no, we should just be looking at everyone and saying okay, like, oh like I mean be mindful obviously like this is what it's all about is more diversity and inclusion and things like that, but it's not my job to go out and find a bunch of black people to perform or people of color to perform for you. This isn't a, what is it, a minstrel show? Like we're not doing that. Like it's it's everybody's job. It's all of our job. Oh, you got the snaps. I see you caffeine. I, you got the snaps. I said something. No, it's all of our jobs to be doing that. And there needs to be more spaces. There needs to be more opportunities for classes. And I know that caffeine can speak on that if they feel like it later. Um, but they're just, yeah, there's there's just a lot. Lottie too. because And Lottie, Lottie too. Just, Sorry, Lottie. Lottie just had her classes. You down at the bottom. Sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just, it just, it sucks. And it, I, back to what um, Fearless was saying, it just sucks feeling like you're the token. Like, am I booked because I'm talented? Or I made booked because they needed another, either a black person, do you know what I mean? A plus size per, like, you know what I mean? Because I'm a black plus size person. Like, it's just, you never know. I'm going to keep telling myself because I'm a badass, but in the back of my mind, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I think a situation that I had happen a lot was one getting booked a lot and I'm still unpacking how much of that was because I was talented and how much of it was a quota and that can be pretty disheartening especially when you have in my situation you have people in your face telling you that they're your friend and they love you and all this other stuff but then the the actions outside of being booked don't match up with that another thing that I had to deal with a lot was uh, white people speaking for me, which I don't need. I don't need someone to make a grand Facebook post saying that I'm being tokenized. I don't need someone to, again, make a Facebook post saying that I'm being exploited because I'm the only black MC and I'm the only black kitten. So, you know, they're using me as the help and as the diversity count. You don't need to say that about me at all. If I felt a certain way about it, I'll say it. If you feel that way and you're saying that you're my friend and you worry about me, you say that to me. You don't say that to the entire world for them to then have their opinions before I even have a chance to deal with it. So that's those are the situations and when I just look at people and I'm like, see, this is how you're not being helpful. This right here, what you're doing is not helpful. You may think like, 
this is how I advocate for her. And this is how I speak up for her because maybe she doesn't see it. I'm a grown ass woman and I see everything. So I probably have a plan bigger than what you're thinking of. You're thinking on a surface level of, I have a personal problem with the way that they treat her. So I'm gonna say something about it. Don't do that. Let me say something. Cause when I'm ready to say something I'm going to shut it down, period. So again, don't speak for me. And then on top of that, if you're gonna book me in every single show that you do and say that you're my friend, your actions outside of that show need to show that you're my friend. You don't need to go silent when there's a Black Lives Matter uprising. You don't need to go silent when I say, hey, don't book me as your diversity clout anymore because I don't wanna do it. You don't need to go silent when you do that because then you're not my friend. You're not my friend if you can't speak up on that to other people. Don't hop in my inbox saying, I love you, I care about you, say that out loud. Don't hop in my inbox saying, I support you and I'm gonna support whatever you do when the community changes. Say that out loud. I need your support out loud or not at all. And a lot of that out loud support that I experienced wasn't support. It was just white people getting their feelings out at my expense. And I'm a person, I don't want my feelings. I don't want your feelings about me out there just because you had something to say, don't. Well, Miss Miss Eartha just just shut that all down. I mean, damn. Whew. I mean, period. Um, <laughs> but in your so in your opinions and based on your experiences, what can venues and producers, if they're not the ones causing the issues, do to support Black burlesque performers when they're faced with these situations? I know Eartha just you know she just touched on it herself. Um, does anyone else have anything else that they want to add on to that? Um, I will say that the follow through has to be there. Like if you're telling me you're going to do something and then you don't, that makes me lose trust in you. But I will also say that in addition to this sense, like expanding on this, like don't speak for me, don't speak over me. And also when I tell you something, take what I say at face value. Because if all you're gonna, if I come to you within, like I can think of a, a couple of shows, but I remember one show in particular where I did not feel safe as a black person, I didn't feel safe as a black trans person, and I brought it to the producer, and the first thing out of this producer's mouth was, "Oh, I worked so hard on this, and now my reputation is at stake," and it's like, "Oh." Here I am, a black trans person, telling you that I am having a really hard time, that I don't feel safe, that I'm uncomfortable because I'm getting misgendered, and I'm also just not comfortable because it's like not all of us are, you know. And yet, as I'm explaining to you what the situation is, it centers around your feelings and how it looks on you. And the number of times that that has happened, like there's one particular situation that this it had the most impact, but the number of times when I, you're coming, when we are coming to you because of something that is harming us and we say, decenter your feelings, the other end of that, the other side of that is like, not only do you need to decenter your white feelings and also you need to center black feelings. You need to center black safety. You need to center what you're going to do for us in addition to detaching however it makes you feel, I don't give a shit if it makes you feel uncomfortable. If the first thing out of your mouth is how it's gonna make you look, that means it's not about me in this situation. It's not about the fact that something harmful is happening to me. It's what am I gonna do 
what is it going to make me look like? And I think too, on the same end is also in addition to this whole, when we think about like tokenization, it's like, again, if I come to you and I tell you something once, like, and you keep coming at me and asking these same damn questions. And if you keep coming at me and like doing the exact fucking opposite of what I fucking told you to do, it's like, hi, don't act like we don't tell you. Don't act like you hear us and then literally don't do anything that we say. The number of times that like we've literally given laundry lists, <laughs> whether that be via social media, whether that be in person, whether it be through conferences like this, where we say, hey, these are the different ways that you can make things safer for us. And then none of those things happen when push comes to shove. All I'm seeing is that y'all ain't listening. You just want to do enough to make you look good <laughs> so you don't have to think about it anymore. So then what would you all say are some practices that producers and uh, that white producers and white performers can do to make the performance space a safe and welcoming place for black performers, other POC performers, LGBT plus, trans, and other performers of, of other identities. Go ahead, Dottie. Sorry, um, I'm gonna stop <laughs> apologizing, Ashley. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I don't have apologize. Something to say. Uh -uh. <laughs> I have something to say. Okay, so Please. what I have to say is, I thank you. I think that having policies ahead of time and having like a paper list of do's and do not, or just do not do's would be extremely helpful. I think that personally, I do well with a list. I mean, I don't really like rules, but I like rules if you know, you know. Like I do well with a list of rules. <laughs> Kathy, you stop. <laughs> but if you know, you know. Um, and that helps. Like if there, and I do this with my students, like if there's a rule like you're you're and you see it on paper or whatever or it's in a contract like maybe even having more contracts in place before um the performances might help and that way if um if a rule is broken or something like that there could be consequences and those consequences can also be stated in there but people i'll just say this like people get really handsy when they're drinking and i'm not anti-drinking like drink get your prosciutto or whatever you drink you know what i'm saying don't touch my hair while you're handsy do you hear me? So like that, you know, that could be a rule. Like don't, and it doesn't have to just be a person of color, even though like, obviously that's what we're talking about. Don't touch anybody's hair, no non-consensual touching. Do you know what I mean? And if we had those rules in place, I don't know. I feel like we're all grown adults. We shouldn't need those rules, but maybe we do. That's all I had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, people do need to have industry standards there we go there should be industry standards of things that are, are appropriate and they get built into the culture similar to the way they like in drag culture tipping is part of the culture you teach your audience what to do and i think unfortunately for burlesque we haven't done a very good job in teaching our audiences what to do and what not to do what's acceptable what's not acceptable so then when something happens or when someone does something, then it's a shock or it's, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was going to happen. Or I didn't know that that happened. Or you didn't tell me that that happened. Or I didn't see that happen as opposed to saying, all right, we need to build this into the culture of burlesque because we figured out after burlesque having gone on for at least a hundred years, that some things are just going to happen. And let's build it into the culture to say that we're not accepting that anymore. We may have accepted it in the past, in the fifties and the sixties, we ain't doing it in, you know, not, not in the 21. We're not doing it. And so I think that's one of the things that 
could definitely, you know, help with the situation. Um, and for producers to educate themselves, you, you've decided that you are going to be a producer. You're going to put on shows. So you need to educate yourself so that you can put on the best show that there is. Not an adequate show, not an okay show, not a mediocre show, but the best show that there is, which means ultimately, sorry, you're going to have to become Black people level good in order to have a great show. So if you can become Black people level good, then your show will be great. If you can't reach that level, then you're just going to continue to have sucky, mediocre shows. Because when we come, we are bringing excellence at all times. We are bringing 100%. Even when we are struggling, even when we're having a bad day, even when our costume is not working, even when our wig is, is trying to come off, we are still giving you 100% of what we have. There, We can't phone it in. We don't know how. We've been bred since birth to be excellent. So when you get our so-so, you're still getting way better than what a lot of performers are on their best day. So you have to educate yourself and you have to be ready. This would be the time to cash out Lottie. Right, right. Just from that. Just like, just like give Lottie all the, all the coins just for that. All of it. (laughs) I mean, she, she dropped absolute bombs just now. Boom. (laughs) um so i think in in everything that you guys uh have have all said is key it's it's what's needed um and this is a this is a uh, shameless plug but my friend and i were partners in creating this workshop called toward an anti-racist michigan theater um, we had it in November for our theater leaders, and it walked through the steps of reflection, recognition, and action, where they re- where they reflect on what what has happened, recognize what has happened to BIPOC individuals, and then take action to make sure that it never happens again, or that no derivative of whatever racism happened will ever happen. Um, and part of that workshop, we've also given the theater leaders the, the action of creating their, their own personal anti-racist statement along with an anti-racist statement for their theater. Now, in my opinion, I really believe that uh, burlesque venues and producers should also create their own anti-racist policies for their production companies and venues. So that way, any of this shit just won't happen again. Um, So if there are any producers or venue owners that are watching this, we plan on bringing back the workshop in April. So when you see it, just keep watching the Facebook page. When When we post about it, you're more than welcome to join us in that workshop. It's gonna be based for theater. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, but I can guarantee you, surprisingly enough, just by the stories that I've heard from all of you, that burlesque and theater are running in parallel lines as far as issues are concerned. 
So I highly recommend that anybody that is interested in taking this workshop, which will start back in April or May, please join in that workshop because it is something that is definitely needed for both communities. Um, yeah, so I just, that's my little shameless plug. Um, so next topic that we'll talk about is the lack of BIPOC performers, producers, creative teams, and crew members. <laughs> so much like other performing art spaces, there is a serious lack of BIPOC performers, producers, cre creative teams, and crew members to help assemble a show. How often do you all come across a show that you're about to be in to find out that there is a lack of BIPOC performers, producers, crew members, and creative teams? Oh, caffeine, this face that you keep giving me. <laughs> How much time you got? Woo, well, you know, sis, we got, we still got a whole nother hour. <laughs> We, we can just say all, pretty much all. I think I've seen Caffeine, did, Caffeine did a mm -hmm. show and um, Eartha, I think you were working on a show. It was a good show. <laughs> oh, that's what, two, that's it. I was that's gonna it. say the two, the two shows that I have actually been a part of that weren't predominantly white were also put on by POC producers. So, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. um there's your crew member answer right there when we're not on the production team it shows mm -hmm. seeing as how seeing as how all of the metro detroit producers are white for the most part unless you go out until like mid michigan and ann arbor uh they're all white and it shows mm -hmm. is detroit prominently white now did you say Detroit <laughs> prominently white? <laughs> I was just asking. I've not lived there in a while. Mm, no, but they wanted to be. They so tried. Yeah. They definitely. They tried. They, mm. they tried to. They tried to. Uh, I mean, gentrification is real. Well, that's the problem is that they also go with their audience members and who's coming to their shows. So they're like, we we want to represent who comes to the show but you're doing it in a city that doesn't feel welcome at your shows because of the lack of us up there. You see how it's a vicious cycle, how you just, you don't book us, but you want more representation, but then you don't want representation in your audience because you're not thinking that far. You're just thinking of the dollar amount you're gonna get when you put on, when you put us in there. You're not gonna get that same amount if we can't represent ourselves in the audience and you're not marketing in the city in which you're putting your show on you're marketing in the city in which your highest paying customers live and that's who's coming to these shows. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I shouldn't have to go nine months in my performance career, not even my performance career, just going to burlesque shows before I see a black performer, but that's what happened in this city, in this city, because I definitely was not traveling out of town to go see shows yet. Um, so that being said, how often? Very. And it is annoying. It's more annoying each time. Mm 
I would also just like to put out there, I am tired of, so it's like, I've also produced shows. <laughs> I've done, you know, drag shows, put on some burly shows, put on some variety shows. And yes, like this whole, like, yeah, how, how often do we find that there are performers lacking? It's like, I mean, that's usually half the reason why we get booked, half the reason why they call us up when they don't want to, all I'm saying, it's like, if I'm in the show and I'm an afterthought, if I'm an afterthought, it's like, hmm, how often is because these people be like over here, it's like, oh, you have too many skinny white women in this show. Like, maybe you should reach out to some of our tokens real quick. So yes, obviously, very often. And then the number of times I've gotten, it's like, oh, wow, like, you're really good. No fucking shit, Sherlock. Like, it took me how many years to actually get started in this scene? <laughs> like, and very specifically how because I didn't think that I was good enough. I didn't think I didn't have a way in. I didn't know the right people. Apparently, I didn't have the resources to take, you know, formal classes at that point in time, specifically for burlesque. And again, no Tino shade about taking classes, but it's just like the number of obstacles and gatekeeping that occur to keep us out. <laughs> it's like we be out here. But I remember straight up, like when I did Dirty Show for the first time, it's like I sent in my application and this is after, you know, at least a year and a half of burlesque performing, so to speak, because I started out as a drag performer. And the first thing that I heard when I got accepted was like, where have you been? <laughs> and this entire time I'm thinking, I am not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. There's no way I'm going to be getting in. And it's like that literally less than 24 hours later, where have you been? And it's stuff like that that makes you realize like, oh, it's not because we aren't marketable. It's not because we aren't talented. It's not like we, we, because we don't have a following. It's just because, you know. <laughs> they ain't looking for y'all. Mm -hmm. And then that's the other part of it is, so in terms of like producers and performers, and it's just, I think the other part of it is we don't always necessarily have the resources to be able to produce shows and like luckily for me it's like i've found people who are willing to who see that as an issue and i think that's something that doesn't come up enough it's like the sense of like hi white people who do have these resources who do have like the ability who have the connections who have the networking aren't divesting from those and then redistributing them to black folks mm -hmm. And so, and it's also this whole BS about, oh, well, it's not marketable. Or we're not going to get the same audience. It's just like pretty much every single show that I throw is all POC. Every single one. Like I can, I literally don't remember the last show that I produced that had a non like all POC lineup. And it's like, and for a variety of people, even going digitally, it's like, if I can find 10 performers <laughs> and they're not the same performers every single time either so you're saying that can be done and i can still not only produce a successful show but i'm also able to pay all of my performers <laughs> i'm also able to get an audience i'm also able to have people interact and it's like and then everyone has a great fucking time so and that's coming from somebody who like you know and i have like theater experience i have you know all other kinds of skills and experience and I've done, you know, I've been on coordination committees for large events like Pride. I've done like, you know, I've done all of the things. We have the skills, we have the ability to do these things. What we're lacking in a lot of cases is the opportunity to do them. 
and I'm Luke. tired and I'm tired of this whole well like it's not possible it's this is that the other and it's just like if I can literally scrounge something together and like work my ass off to get a number of POC shows like y'all have no fucking excuse <laughs> and then in addition to that I'm also tired of this sense of when it comes to booking POC performers, especially black performers. Um, and it's something I was actually talking about with Dottie a little bit earlier, where it's just a sense of how often are our productions then advertised or supported in the same ways from the people who want to benefit from using us in their shows. Because <laughs> a number of times I have had white producers want to book me, want to support me, who want to say that they're all about me and they want to like support everything that I do. And yet they have not shown up to a single show or advertised for a single show that I put on. Pow, pow. Except for the ones that I do with them. Bloop. So you want to support me but you don't want to support what I do. You don't want to support my passions. You don't want to support my work. You don't want to support the black folks that I love and appreciate, but you want to benefit from me being in your show to make you look real good. I am tired of these white producers who are going to be out here and be like, I love you. I support you. I see you, whatever. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but $25 in my Venmo every once in a while while simultaneously talking over me on the internet, simultaneously never actually showing up for the things that I love and do because of your own personal shit, because you want to look good. Like all that says to me, is like, you literally just want me for you. It's still about you. So if you want to talk about like getting more producers, you want to get more POC performers, stop acting like we don't exist outside of what makes you look good. And that's on that. <laughs> that's that on that on that. <laughs> it's true though. Like caffeine was saying, I was, we were talking earlier and I think that a big part of shows and art and everything is sharing social media is so huge. And I share, I can't afford to tip everybody every single time. I can't afford to go to every single show, but I will share your events. I will share your, your photos, your art, your videos, if that's public and you obviously worked hard in it, I'm going to share that because that is for free. Why my stuff not getting shared? Why is my POC mm. friend stuff not getting shared? I make sure to share everybody's stuff. Do you know what I mean? I share white people's stuff, black people's stuff, Latinx people's stuff, like everybody's stuff. But like, why, why is it a lack of us? Why don't you like us? Hurts my heart. Too good. But um, <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. But um, um, but yeah, I uh. Also, another thing that um, I saw that um, I actually kind of really liked, um, ironically, it stemmed from that moment that I was telling you earlier, my first burlesque thing that I, my first burlesque show that I was in. But um, another performer um, put together a Google Doc, I want to say it was, with like, you know, list of all these uh, black and POC entertainers and their contact information, you know, their social media handles and stuff. It's like, it was almost just showing people, yes, we are out here. We are <laughs> like, you know, you saying that no one applied, it's because no one feels comfortable applying. It's like, don't, don't, don't pretend like we're not out here. Cause we're, 
in I think they put that they put together that Google Doc with like tons and tons of people, and it, it took less than twenty four hours. Like I don't I don't understand, you know, and people that's been doing months and months of booking shows and things can't find a POC performer, not one. Like, make it make sense, <laughs> you know. It's like there's there's so much of there's so much out there. Like 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 uh, Diane was saying, it's like we're on the internet. Like it's huge. Like don't don't act like we're we're scarce. Like I mean, granted we aren't always around as much as we should, but there's reasoning for that. It's because we it's being gatekeeped or it's being you know held from us or it's like or when we want to learn, it's like well. If you want to do burlesque, you have to already be good at it. And like, you already have to know exactly everything else you're doing in order to get on this show. And I'm just like, but what about these people that are literally, they went and bought an outfit and are doing this, this routine, you know, and I'm just like looking like robots, but, but us out here, you know, really putting in work, you know, we aren't seen and I don't get it. You know, I just feel like there's no excuse at this point you know, especially, especially 2021, like we're in the digital age, like there's no excuse to why you can't find PLC performers, you know, things like that, because it's like, we're literally everywhere. Like, like you saying that you don't see us because you don't see us. Like you're not trying to see us, <laughs> you know, but that's my piece. <laughs> so then what actions should uh, white-owned producing companies take to bring in more BIPOC crew members, performers, and producers? Just book us. It's not that hard. I, I don't know why folks try to make it seem like it's difficult, like they can't find us, they don't know where we are. Just book us. You see us, you book us. Without being, without being too racist, but Again, we like to say, you know, like like roaches, you see one, it's at least three more. So you hire one black performer, you know they're gonna know at least three more. So then you can ask them, who should else, you know, who else can I hire? Who else will do the thing? Who else is because we run in pairs? I I was in Virginia when I found when I came down to visit, and I said, okay. I saw matter of fact, I saw something online and I was like, why are we jumping on this child? That's not okay. I'm here for a vacay. I'm here for a visit, but I'm not okay with them jumping on this child. Let me find out who this child is so that people can get up off of her, make sure she's okay. And I said, all right, let me go into my messages. Hi, Eartha, I'm Lottie. I don't know who you are, but I see some stuff going on. We're not having this in Detroit. I'm in Virginia, but we're not having this in Detroit. And it started there. It didn't take but that much for me to find Eartha. All these people in Detroit and you couldn't find Eartha? And I found Eartha on a weekend visit to the Michigan Burlesque Festival. How does that happen? How does that happen? So we know each other. If you want if you want us, if you want one, ask one. Hey, Caffeine, do you know anybody? Hey, Freelance, you know anybody? We know each other. And we are constantly building and creating more community for ourselves. Caffeine is teaching classes, I'm teaching classes. We're doing the work. So all you gotta do is book us, book one of us, book all of us, but book one of us and you will be hooked into the network, but you gotta be willing to book us and then say, hey, do you know someone else? 
that I can book? Have you, you know, are there anybody new? Is there anybody that, ha that I haven't seen? Is there anybody that's up and coming? Instead of saying, instead of waiting until that person has blown up and then say, oh yeah, now that they've blown up and they've made it, oh yeah, I see you now, now I wanna book you. Because again, at that point, they don't really have much, you know, aside from being wanting to be on stage, what's their motivation for being on your stage? When you've got, again, you already have expressed that you are okay with having mediocre talent on your stage. And now I'm at my, I'm at here and you want me to come and grace your stage with, along with some mediocre talent. Cause I put in my dues, I've done the work. I've, you know, learned the things I've taken the classes. I've built the things I've rhinestone the things I've cultivated a character for social media. Well, social media is straight. I've got all the things that I need. So now I'll take the, I'll definitely take the opportunity, but please don't mistake that now that you suddenly see me, that this is the opportunity for me and that this is going to blow my mind or, or, or you helping me out. This is another gig that I have. Not the only gig that I have, another gig that I have, and I shouldn't be that way. We should have, I, I like us being in heavy rotation, but there's more out there and I'm gonna keep teaching and training until we look up and the shows in Detroit look like Detroit. I want, in my in my world, every show, 95% of the shows in Detroit should look like Seven Mile. No, no. That's what, that's what 95% of the show should look like because 95% of Detroit looks like Seven Mile. Yes, there's a little Cork Town, there's a little, you know, village here and little spots there, but it should look, Detroit Burlesque should look like Detroit Burlesque. They try and, and I'm not entirely sure why Detroit Burlesque doesn't look like Detroit sounds Burlesque, like but we're going to change trying, that. Sounds like they're trying to make... Um make these these performance these productions and these performances like the gentrified sides of Detroit oh yeah I've been saying that for years that burlesque just got gentrified right along with Detroit yeah I think with the other question is like how to bring in more uh crew members and producers um to lovingly quote one of my idols, Jeez Louise, get the fuck out of my way. Get out of my way. Like, because I know from experience trying to produce here, all these venues that like the white people have the connections with, they ain't answering my emails. Okay, because I have my face in my Gmail. So they see it and they're like, I'm gonna let that one sit. Or, and people aren't willing to give up their connections and I get that. Some people worked very hard for them and I understand that that comes at a price. But what you're also telling me is that, okay, so if I come to you and say, can you help me out a little bit? Where do I even begin? That's even met with resistance. And it's like, you're not making this helpful because I keep telling people, we can sit here and tell all these white producers what to do. We can sit here and give our laundry list and beg and plead on the internet what we need. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody who wants to do it, but doesn't feel like they can approach that white person that's running the show. There's always going to be somebody who's watching it from afar and feel like they don't have a place because nobody that looks like them is even in charge. So where would they, where do they get the comfort to even do that? So when people like us step in and we say, hey, I have this idea for a show, can I do it? And we're met with, 
would that work? How, what would that look like? Uh, what, are, what, what are you thinking in terms of marketing? And, you know, I, what type of performers are you even going to book? And, and how many people do you think you can get in a venue like that? Do you really think you can fill a venue like that? Get out of my way. Give up your venues. Give up that stuff that you that gives you your power, and just let us do this. Sometimes, because we know how to do this. How many of us have sat here on this very call and said, "I watched burlesque from afar before I got into it"? So, if we're taking that aspect with performing, you don't think we're doing the same thing? If we want to put on our own shows, we're not doing the same thing and watching. This producer does that. I didn't like it. I'm not going to do that. This producer did that. I like that. So let me bookmark that and put that in there. So you don't think that we're doing all that to make ourselves the producers that we want to see in the world? You think we're just out here like, I have an idea for a show and I'm going to do it. No, that's what the white people do. And that's how we ended up getting booked at the last minute because they're like, I just have an idea for a show and I'm going to do it. What? You didn't think about a cast list before two weeks before the show? Okay, but I but I can't produce at your venue because you know you oh well I don't know what that would look like I'm 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 hesitant I don't want to lose my venue I want to keep my venue classy okay you keep your venue classy you do that but just remember I I we had this conversation so when I am doing things on my own and you want to collaborate you want to sponsor me don't be surprised when I say no thank you I got it. Who's classier than Eartha Kitten? That's what I want to know. Right, that's what I want. I, I want to know. Serious. I'm always seeing pearls draped all in between her titties and stuff. So I I'm know, just trying to figure out. Shit. You see this glamour rectangle, honey? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Listen. You tell me, the producers that have said that to me, you let me know. You let me know what type of uh, unclassy thing you think I'm going to bring because all that coded language is, is, oh, this might be a little too black for me. Mm. I don't want them thinking I let people do black shit at my venue. You don't mm. own the venue in the first place, damn it. Oh, yeah. I've definitely <laughs> been, I've been hit with those exact words before. Either it was a little too black or it was a little too hood. And I'm just like, I'm black. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it's a little to me. Like, you, if I'm you performing, know. you're going to get all of this blackness. So be prepared. Okay. And also, <laughs> I just don't get me wrong. I, I understand that burlesque started as this whole, like, it's supposed to be very elegant and very this and very that. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> and I'm like, my whole, my whole burlesque, there's okay, it's okay to be, to be, um, you know, glamorous and things like that. But it's like, don't think that that's the only thing that's acceptable. It's like, cause now you're looking at it through white lenses and I don't like that. Like, you, you know, you need to, you need to. <laughs> well, let me at ask, the end of the day, we're all this. showing our titties. Right. Yes, like how glamorous can is... you be if you if you get naked? I mean, like granted, granted the the um the legendary um damn it, what's her name? I just, Josephine Baker. Like how glamorous is it to have bananas hanging from your waist and call it a skirt? I mean Burlesque I'm... started out as a horrible culturally appropriative version of belly dance. That's what it was. They saw belly dancers. 
<coughs> and belly dancers performed. <coughs> oh, sorry. Belly dancers performed, and then those belly dancers were making money. And some some blondes came in and said, "Oh, I can do something like that." And they did really. And if you look at, if you break down and look at a lot of burlesque, our bumps and grinds are essentially the same. The shoulder shimmies, the figure eights, and the movements are just poorly appropriated belly dance movements. This shimmy, that's the same shimmy they do in belly dance. We just figured out if we do a little bit harder, we can make our tassels move. So the whole idea that burlesque is glamorous and started out, no, burlesque was a poorly appropriated version of belly dance, which is why belly dancers always trying to throw hands at burlesquers because they're like, well, you guys are appropriating our movements. And technically, yeah, we are. We still be doing that? We've changed it and we've made it into our own thing. But yeah, we're still, we just cope, we just really doing poorly culturally appropriated versions of your movements. Huh. And then the irony is, <laughs> you know, not that I have any training in belly dance or whatever. It's not like it's a part of my cultural lineage or whatever. But the irony is then now it's turned around so that all of these lovely white women being over here like, oh, well, let me just now actually utilize and appropriate belly dance into and integrate it in this culturally appropriated <laughs> art form. In addition, I'm just like, this is some meta shit. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. It's like, y'all still be making more money than me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh boy. But since Dottie was talking about um, online stuff and, and posting our posting and sharing her, uh, her friends and stuff like that for this shows that they're in, let's actually go on to online and social media presence. Let's get into that one, okay? Plan that. I didn't plan it. Oh my gosh. You better get Ash. I'm so proud of you. So as a society, we thrive off of internet advertisements. And for most individuals, it's the best way for our families and friends to find out what we're up to. But burlesque performers face a different issue, and that's being seen on events, social media pages. And when the issue is brought up, they're either being ignored or spoke, spoken over and not being validated for their concern. So explain a situation where you weren't presented properly on a social media advertisement and ignored for bringing up the issue. Caffeine looks like they, Caffeine looks like they are ready. Are you ready, Caffeine? I don't know. I feel like Eartha should go first. <laughs> That's sad that we both knew, like, we, like, uh, okay. I am so, ready for this story. Go ahead. <laughs> are you? Um, so I got booked as the MC for a show, right? I have never been asked to perform in said show, but I've kitten for, and I get asked to be the MC, right? So the show poster comes out. I am nowhere on this poster. Nowhere. 
And at first I'm like, how do I, how do I, who do I address this with and how? Because at that point, my mind for whatever reason was like, am I not emceeing this show? Is this how I find out I was fired? Um, so my head is spinning at this point. So I contacted the one person that I knew personally in the show enough to just text them. And then I contacted the show producer. And the person who was in the show immediately was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. I will, you know, figure out what's going on right, right away. And then I finally hear back from the producer. It was a mistake. Um, and there's this kind of apology. But the, the part that was really like, that really kind of just dug it all in was after I got sent the poster and the markup for the poster and the text that was supposed to be on the poster, I then get a message that says, well, I really hope you're not upset about this because I'm getting a lot of messages about it. And at that point, I didn't really know how to react. So I just kind of shut down. I'm pretty sure I just melted into caffeine. Like, I don't know what to do about this. And did not feel safe walking into that show. Did not feel safe. Uh, didn't really know what was coming at me from that point on because I was the difficult person that brought up the fact that I was left off of a poster as the MC. Um, and I had never seen that happen before. I had never seen like the MC of that show be left off. But when it came to me, it happened. And I will give this little benefit of doubt that it probably was just an honest mistake. But was, what wasn't a mistake was telling me, I hope you're not upset about this. Of course I am. My name isn't on a poster of a show that I'm in. And I don't know if I'm still hired to be in this show because we've had no discussion besides great, love to have you MC. And it hurt like hell. It That almost killed me because I was like, I don't even know if I even wanna do this show anymore. And I have all these people saying, we're so excited to have you. I can't believe this happened. I'm so sorry. But in the back of my mind, I'm just like, this is not something I wouldn't have been told, don't be upset about this if I was white. And I know that it would have been a more comforting, caring situation that would have happened if I was white. But instead it was, well, I hope you're not upset about this. And if I am, so what? What are you going to do to there to then resolve this issue? You're just going to tell me, don't be upset. What am I supposed to do with that? Oh, well, oh, and the other thing was, oh, well, it's too late to change the poster, but we can change all the digital stuff. So like the actual paper posters, my name still wasn't on them. Um, I don't think it was, I didn't look to be honest, but that, that goes beyond, and I've had my name spelled wrong and stuff. I've had, you know, somebody give me the wrong intro that I had to hurry up and fix, but just leaving me off completely and then saying, oh, I hope you're not upset. Uh, not, not a great moment for me because that was kind of a moment where I was like, I'm alone in this. So what you're saying is I'm alone in this. And if I'm any more upset about it, I better take it the fuck somewhere else because you don't give a shit. I've literally had the same thing happen, but like the reverse. So like, uh, and this happened recently since I've been doing the whole digital performing and things. I remember I got booked for a show. Uh, it was like a, 
it was primarily burlesque, but it was a variety show. Um, and, you know, I recorded two numbers, sent them in, whatever, whatever. Day of the show. Well, no, backtrack. They started posting uh, flyers and, I mean, you know, advertisements and things. And, you know, I seen my photo. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna like it, you know, share, da 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 da. Come the day of the show, I wasn't even in the show. Like, my number wasn't anywhere in the, in the show at all. Like, no one messaged me. No one said anything about it. I had to then message someone as the show is airing. Like, um, I'm not in the show. Like, I'm in all the advertisements, but I'm not in the show. What's going on? And then they tried to spin it back on me. It was like, oh, you didn't send your thing right. And, you know, it was in the wrong format. And, and I'm like, so what you're telling me is you waited until the show aired. Like, even if it wasn't, if it was a mistake, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If it wasn't a mistake, you waited till the show aired. And for me to message you, to tell me that there was something wrong with my video that I sent in two weeks earlier. Like, I don't get it. Like, don't, don't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that isn't hash right. Like, I, I don't, you know, it's like that whole, I, they didn't know me like that. And they, it wasn't like, I wasn't somebody big and bad. So it wasn't that important. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like, if you valued me enough to put me on advertisements, I should be in the show. You know, don't use my name for advertisement and don't use my photos if I'm not in the show. Like, these two things don't match up. Like, I just could, you know? It, I just, I don't understand. It's like, it's always, you know, when it comes to your performers as a, as a producer, it is your job to communicate with these people. Like it is your job. Like, you know, the whole thing is like, if, if there's, if there's an issue, if there's, you know, that's the job of the producer. Like you, you're running the show, run the show, you know? And it goes back to, I feel like, I will say this, it was a, it was marketed as a POC show. Um, it was, um it was like a whole thing like I like they tried to fight me with it over social media it just became a big thing and I'm just like really and it was, was like it during black by History. POC? it was supposedly produced by some uh uh black burlesque group out of state but it's like to me, that's even more of a of a reason to be like, okay, let me make sure my black people in this show, everything is together. You know, it's like that shouldn't be a a, a you know, and that would, they even threw that back at me. It was like, well, we're a POC show. We would never do something so. And I'm just like, but it happened. What do you mean? You know, you being a POC centered show doesn't exclude you from the BS that just happened. You know, it's still like, you know, they tried to, they use the the uh, the POC centered show as to wash their hands of any 
you know, any issue or anything, any of their responsibility. And I don't like that. You know, if, if you're going to market as a POC show, these POC performers need to be taken care of. That's so the bottom. So then what, what would you say, um, what can producers do to prevent a situation like, the, like this from happening and, uh, from, and, pre and prevent it from escalating? Go ahead, Daddy. Sounds like the bare minimum, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so, and there's too many, there's too much in terms of when it comes to like being appropriately uh, heard on social media. <laughs> um, I will say the number of times, and especially when it comes to you know, everyone wants to talk about professionalism, which is a racist concept, Nancy, we, we won't go there, but we talk about professionalism <laughs> and the expectations that are then put on performers of color, but especially black performers, where it's like, again, like what Lottie was saying earlier, it's like, we have to be polished. We have to have our stuff. Like we have to have our shit on lock <laughs> in order just to even, and even then we're still not taken seriously. And so it's like the number of times, especially from white producers who, pride themselves on wanting things to run smoothly or wanting to, you know, um, there've been a number of moments where I've sent in my information, I've sent in a bio and it's like, I sent it in on time. I sent made sure and I like followed up and then day of the show or like the week of the show or seeing an advertisement. And it's like, especially when it comes to how we're presented, the image that we want to portray, you know, we, we send in the headshots that we want to use as headshots <laughs> Etc. We we do that for a reason, and then to then see you literally just went and used an old ass photo of me from a show that you know was happened however long ago, and it isn't even a good photo. But everyone else gets to use their by the ones that they sent in, and stuff like that. Where it's just like it makes me question. It's just like I sent my stuff in. Why are you using this old ass shit? that doesn't adequately reflect the performer that I want to portray out to the masses, right? Because that just makes me look bad. <laughs> and to then not understand why I'm upset that you're hounding me for something that isn't even due or like getting last minute information from me, like that, it, it feels like gaslighting. It feels like I'm being asked to comply with all of these unspoken expectations and simultaneously dismiss when those things are brought to my when those things are brought to the forefront and so i think that would be and especially hearing from everyone's stories here but i feel like when these situations come up like the worst thing that you can do is dismiss my feelings and then because that to me says if you can't hear how i'm feeling about this you are also dismissing my experience this isn't just oh, well, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. It's like, no, you did something <laughs> that wasn't okay. And I think that also ties into accountability. It's like, I'm not here to argue about why, like I'm feeling a certain kind of way. I am trying to address something very tangible, very specific. And it's like, you know, I feel like all of us have also gotten into the habit of like, we ruminate, we think about these things. We like talk back and forth with other like black folks because we need to be absolutely fucking sure that what we're feeling and what we're seeing is what happened because you know the first thing that's going to happen once we bring it up to a white person is like well they're uncomfortable so they're like but are you sure are you sure that's like maybe it was just a mistake and it's just like why do i have to give you the benefit of the doubt when i'm literally giving you exactly what happened and what you can do to fix it 
So I think for me, like one of the biggest things that a producer can do is like acknowledge what happened as being what happened. <laughs> don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to skirt around it. Don't try to be like, oh, well, but it was a mistake. I hope you're not upset. It's like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to live with people being mad at you. If I got to live with being worried whether or not if I show up to a place, someone's going to want to murder me, the least you can fucking do is deal with me being mad at you because of some shit that you did yourself. <laughs> the only reason why we're having this discussion is because something you did. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't start nothing, won't be nothing. <laughs> like, damn, I feel like it's not that hard of a concept. And that's something that I would expect for myself. If I did something to hurt you, if I did something that caused a situation that caused friction, that caused whatever, accountability isn't let me fucking blast all over social media how woke I am, how I did this and how this, and like, I just feel so terrible. I don't give a shit about your guilt. Guilt is not productive. <laughs> you sit with that for a second, you feel your feelings, you deal with that guilt, but if that's all that's gonna do is keep you in that same place and that leads to inaction, then I don't give a shit. You wanna stay stuck, you stay stuck. I got shit to do. So, Ain't nobody got time for that. Deal with your feelings, deal with your comfort. Your discomfort does not outweigh my safety. Your discomfort does not outweigh my talent. Your discomfort does not outweigh the opportunities for me to be successful. Especially if you sit there and tell me that you care about dismantling racism. If you tell me that you care about decolonizing your sets. If you tell me that you want to uplift black folks, then don't push us down by dismissing us in the first place. And so what they can do is like, yeah, they can acknowledge that what we're telling them, take what we say at face value. Don't try to make excuses. Don't try to use, and especially, and this also goes for like non-Black POC, because the number of times, especially when it comes to social media, where we're literally saying like, hey, maybe don't. Hey, this is my lived experience. And then that gets met with, well, I know that I look white, but I'm also this. I'm also Cherokee. that. I'm also indigenous, I'm also Latinx, and you know, and then that becomes an excuse as to why they can't be racist. And I'm over here like, bitch, anti-blackness is everywhere. Like, don't sit here and come for me and try to be like, well, but I'm a POC too, because Movo's like, my abuela is fucking from Guadalajara. Don't, don't, don't try me. Anti-blackness is everywhere, period. <laughs> I don't give a shit if this is how you make me feel. I'm over here, it's like, if you can't suntan, if you look pale as fuck, and you and I are walking in the middle of a fucking store, who do you think is going to get followed? Not your melanin deficient ass. Nah. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't. Just fucking don't. Acknowledge what we're saying as valid, and not just, oh my god, we see you, you're valid. It's like, hey, no, like, this is a real lived experience, and it's impacting somebody that you know. I don't give a shit about your intentions. We all have the best road, we all have the best intentions, ideally. I would hope that doesn't negate the fact that it has an impact on people's livelihoods, on people's mental health, on people's experiences. Caffeine, but I went to an all black school and I was bullied for being the only white person there. Bitch. Daddy, you gotta start something. Daddy was trying to start something. <laughs> I'm just speaking what I hear. Mm. Mm. Like it, it baffles me. It baffles me. I got into <laughs> I got into a deep argument about black hair with a white person. 
They always be coming with our hair, though. I'm over here just That's like, the first part. Yo, Why is this with yo, a white person? Why do you always be coming with our hair? I have my hair touched. Red locks are for Vikings. So, what are you no, talking here, about? Here's the, here's, the, here's the real good part. Here's the real good part. Is she was telling part? me that she has really curly hair and got real defensive and said, so I can't use black products. I can't face um hair discrimination where they tell me that my hair is a mess and blah 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 first of all did you punch her in the face no <laughs> i wish but we were it was it was facebook okay of course so you know that's why i'm that's not valid. i'm me personally i'm not even on facebook anymore <laughs> i go on here to we on facebook on right now but listen <laughs> daddy try to start something <laughs> i don't know what you mean it's the half white of me that's coming out it's crazy <laughs> the caucasity <laughs> i'll see myself out <laughs> but it's just like first of all ma'am what you're trying to claim has nothing to do with you period Okay, hair, black hair. And I literally, I literally went through an entire, <laughs> an entire big ass history of black hair. Why this happened to us this time? What happened here? What happened here? Who did this for us? And blah, blah, blah. You know, and that, that's just to let her ass know that black hair has always, always been a topic of uh, uh ridicule and shame but it's only it it got to a point particularly i would say maybe like the 60s and 70s where we started wearing our froze where we wore our froze with pride and we said this is how our shit is deal with it and it wasn't until two years ago two fucking years ago that we finally get something in the law in New York State saying that you cannot fire somebody because of their hair. Why did it have to take, take that long? Why did it have to take that long? And why are you, ma'am, a white person, white as you are, trying to claim that you have been hair discrimin discriminated against. Go sit the fuck down. Have several motherfucking seats. Have several seats. Did she pay you for that history lesson at all? No, I gladly gave it to her because the bitch was ignorant. Well, to Willfully go ignorant. to how you can prevent a situation like that from escalating, you can pay us. Period. Period. You can say, you can say, hey, uh, I'm going to pay you because for your labor, because you definitely pointed out to me why this was wrong. And I appreciate that. And my show probably would have suffered without you stepping up and saying something. So to prove that I'm a person of my word, I'm going to pay you for your labor, the extra labor you did that was not a part of your contract. XOXO Donnie Monroe on Venmo. <laughs> Pop my cash out. Black History Month. Black History Month. <laughs> Ashley, did you put your Venmo up there? It, it was on the first thing, but I want, and it's, I think it's down at the further bottom, but I want right, to make I sure. All right, I just want to bow. 
I wanted to make sure that y'all information was first. I appreciate you. You're um, important too, though. You're speaking about it too. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll see myself out again. So I just wanted to talk to y'all briefly about what it's like to finally work with an all black cast full of performers black producers tell me what that feels like for y'all it's lit y'all literally <laughs> ah! uh, for me to quote belinda carlisle ooh baby do you know what that's worth ooh heaven is a place on earth it yeah that's it <laughs> Things just run so much smoother. I really feel like, you know, because it's like, there's no, there's no barriers anymore. Like, it's just like, we know we are performers. We came here to perform and that's, we going to show out. Like it, it, it's not, it's no longer a, well, you're black. So, I mean, I, you have to be better than this or that. It was like, no, we're all black. We're all on this level. We're all about to bring it. You know, and it's not going to be about, you know, uh, you know, well, I'm look, I'm better because my skin is white and I'm and I'm and I'm grand and, I, you know, it's not even going to be about that. It's going to be about we came here to perform and to to really put our our art out there, you know, and I feel like it just it, things run so much smoother because we're all on one accord. Like at the bottom line, and it's like with with everything else is like that I feel like that's really what we need to get to is that one accord and I feel like there's always going to be that 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 friction because people see being on one accord as us being better than you and they're like that's not that's not what it is like you're you are saying <laughs> like <laughs> that's I mean you know what I mean <laughs> but yeah it's like that always that that um that whole thing and I'm like when you have an all-black cast or working with black you know pr producers and things it's like things just run smoother because we understand we have that shared um you know struggle I guess is the way to put it but you know we've been through similar things so we know what not to do <laughs> you know we know what what to what not to uh get into and you know we know how to conduct ourselves mm -hmm. you know that's really what it boils down to it's like it's just it's just you can breathe <laughs> for real so i just want to read this quote real quick actually let me let me comment on this first the burlesque community moving forward so this is what I will say as someone who has moderated this entire conversation. Continue it. Continue the conversation. Much like art communities, persistent and positive change needs to occur to create a welcoming environment for everyone. It's not welcoming to say, I don't see color or gender or sexuality. See the person and their identities as they are. So it's up to the leaders of the burlesque community to create that safe space for everyone so they can enjoy this beautiful art form. 
take the necessary steps to be more inclusive, to go above and beyond in, uh, in creating more diversity and to make your productions and venues more equitable places to work. And another thing to add, because we've already said this before, do not expect black or POC performers to bring in more black or POC performers because their job is to perform, point blank period. <laughs> Recruitment is the job of the producer or the owner of the venues. Go where the people are and promote the shows that way. So I'll close things off with this quote by the legendary Josephine Baker. Surely the day will come when color means nothing more than the skin tone, when religion is seen uniquely as a way to speak to one's soul, when birthplaces have the weight of a throw of the dice and all men are born free when understanding breeds love and brotherhood. So I hope that you all enjoyed this. I want to thank my panel again, Eartha Kitten, Caffeine Love, Fearless, Lottie, uh, Lottie Ellington, Dottie Monroe, you guys. I adore every single one of you and I appreciate every single one of you for joining me on this conversation. Um, everything that you had to say was absolute, is, is absolutely valid and deserves to be listened to. Again, for those of you that are listening, their uh, EMT information is in the description box below. And if you're feeling a little extra generous, the EMT information for Blacken is also underneath their information as well. Uh, we, I have in, um, EMT information for Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. So please, please, please make sure that you give to these wonderful performers, um, Fearless, Caffeine, Eartha, all y'all, don't y'all have a, you guys have something later on tonight or next week? Please promote that. Somebody promote, promote y'all shit. Promote. Oh, for shows? Yeah, yeah. Isn't there a show that, that's going oh, on? Oh, hey. <laughs> Isn't it next week? I don't know who's all in it, to be honest. I have a show coming up next week that I'm in for um, Tease a Go-Go. And I believe it's, is it next it's week? It's the 27th. Earth and the 27th so yeah, in that week, show? yeah we're all in that show was lottie in that show no lottie has her, show. her black nerdless show i am that's right what that? excited. <laughs> yes yes blurred, blurred. Blurred show. um there's also um uh black radiance is also that same weekend Yay. So there's two, so I got two shows um, that weekend, next weekend. And even though I'm not in the show, um, tonight, um, Vanessa Chevelle presents um, Afro Tease. It's tonight. Yes. So that's an all, and it's the Blacklist. It's the Black Label show. It's all Black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go to it. <laughs> Anybody else have anything mm. that they want to promote before we sign off for tonight? Oh, I also have a poetry show coming up on the 21st. Uh, you could find out more information on that through my Instagram. Check it out. And uh, also, shameless plug, I just released music and a music video. Go check it out. I am 
Summer Thunderstorm. It's Fearless on YouTube. Artist. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. All, all, like mm-hmm. all platforms. You can find me. Ooh, they streaming on all platforms. Okay. Ew, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bougie as shit. <laughs> <You know. laughs> mm-hmm. All right, all I'll right. do my, my shameless. Yes, please. Um, on March fourth, which is the first Thursday of March. <clears throat> the first Thursday of March is um the uh, Ellington Academy of Burlesque will be having be hosting our um, TikTok Thursdays. Yes. where you will learn a TikTok dance. Um, and that way you can learn the dance so you can put it on TikTok. Um, and that's going to be hosted. Um, uh, Kay Lovely is going to be teaching that. She's an, ama- an absolutely amazing dancer um, in Virginia. She was on her way to go be a backup dancer for Beyonce. And then she got pregnant and then she came home. And I was like, dude, what you doing? But she has an amazing little human to show for it so i'm like yay but yeah so that's gonna be on thursdays and it's on the ellington burlesque ellington academy of burlesque uh page so you just go to that and it's on instagram and facebook yes i need to go to that because me and tiktok y'all <laughs> y'all the... seen it i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> I'm excited. I think that's so cool, Lottie, that you're like, like so up with the times. Do you know what I'm saying? And like always finding that way to branch out and do things that advance your art. I'm trying. Sorry. I just, I like to be excited for you. I'm trying. <laughs> this whole, this whole, uh, you know, virtual thing, it's got, it's, it's got as good and as bad. So mm-hmm. I'm learning to work in the virtual world um, because we don't really know how long it's going to last. Like we can say, oh yeah, this, this will be, you know, this was supposed to be, this was supposed to be two weeks. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be somebody has Corona and in two weeks, we're going to, sh- we're going to shut down for two weeks and then we're coming back. And here we are almost a year later. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Like, getting used to the whole mm-hmm. virtual thing and how you virtually entertain is good. And it also means again, that, you know, whenever the real world is open back up, that doesn't mean that the virtual show stop. And that doesn't mean that you can't still have mm-hmm virtual show to get to those people that you normally wouldn't get to which is another reason why there's no reason why you have all white shows because there's you don't have to do anything you just have to send out the invite or ask for the application that's it you don't have to fly anybody you don't have to pay anybody's airfare you don't have to pay anybody's hotel fees you don't even have to give them a drink ticket (laughs) <laughs> literally all you yeah. gotta do put them on and mm-hmm. and and pay them it's not hard and on that note thank it's you guys so much i truly you are fine i know we got to get out of here but i have a podcast now yeah uh, it's called dish of the day you can find it on the planet ant podcast network i host it with my good friend Delta Van Dam, who's another burlesque performer. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm also in the Tease Go Go show. And also, Caffeine, Fearless, and Dottie, you all are in Heartbreakers, right? Yeah, that's that aired today. tonight. You can yeah. still, if you really want to, t- email Teddy Rhinestone or any of us, and we can still get you a ticket for that. And three, it's $8 for a ticket, and $3 of every sale goes to the Black 
Black Visions. Visions Clock. I knew caffeine was going to get it for me too. I was waiting for you. <laughs> but yeah, feel free to go ahead and email us because we can still get you a ticket for that. And I saw the show and it is lit early as caffeine says. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also going to be, it's li- it's, it's an all pre-recorded show on Vimeo. So the link will be live until midnight tomorrow. So y'all mm-hmm. still have time. You all got time. You mm-hmm. got time. Mm-hmm. It's good. Y'all see how I promote my friends? Because I'm a good friend. <laughs> you are Great a good friend. friend. <laughs> That's why you have a life partner. You. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Thank you guys again so much. Uh, visit black uh, blaqn.org to find out more information about the work that blacken is doing. Visit the Instagram page blaqn show michigan uh visit and you know this is the facebook page blaq show michigan uh we're also on twitter sort of uh at blaqnmi <laughs> um this uh this this uh conference is part of the companion podcast black queens on stage you can visit the website at blackqueensonstage.com please give it a listen it's available on all streaming platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, all of it. So it is available for anyone to listen to. If you happen to be on the Apple podcast uh, website listening to this, please give it a review to let me know what you think of the show. I greatly appreciate all of my reviews. Um, And again, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate this. This was great. This was amazing. Uh, Come back for next Saturday uh, at 12 p.m. where we have a Q&A session for all of our viewers to actually get a chance to actually talk to our panelists and see, you know, ask questions that, you know, that they have for our panelists. Um, Be respectful with your questions. That's all that I ask. Um, and oh, so we're coming back next week yes please i'm yes, just playing i'll be here i'll be here <laughs> thank you again have a great night everybody you too thank you okay hold on just a second guys thanks for tuning in to today's episode you can find black queens on stage podcast and black literature and art queens network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at blaqn show Michigan, on Facebook at blaq show Michigan, and on Twitter at blaqnmi. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time.